Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. That was seductive. I just seduced myself right here on 101 ESPN. So hot. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Hacker and Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. I'm considered the greatest to ever do it, and that's exciting. Thank you for that. Uh, and over there is Jackson. And Jackson, you'll be thrilled to see in the Air Comfort Service text line, I see a bunch of texts about the Lakers and Supersonics, so I have no idea what was going on in the opening drive because, as the greatest, I'm relegated to HD2 in morning drive, so I am not able to hear the program, but it sounds like Randy, Kerry, Brooke, and Matt Rocchio were talking about the Lake Show and the Sonics, so you'll be thrilled to, to hear that. I don't have much Sonics insight. Uh, believe wow, I was nice in, show prep ass. I was like in the fourth grade when they moved from Seattle. They Are you draft- age-shaming people now? Oh, Sounds no. like age-shaming no, I mean, they drafted Kevin Durant and then immediately moved. Reminds me of when the Rams drafted Todd Gurley and then moved a year yes, later. Yes, the guy who wouldn't be able to play the year they drafted him, but would conveniently be able to play when they moved. It was almost like they were telegraphing that they were planning on leaving. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, not, not much Lakers Sonics takes. I got, you know... Draymond Green takes, but we'll you probably do. put those on ice. You're going to put those on ice because on this program today, a lot of Cardinal discussion. Text it in 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. Um, but Ben also making his debut. This is going to be a weekly segment. Taylor Twelman, 1030, 1035. Cannot wait. Oh. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, he's calling in. So you know what that means? I gotta like monitor the clock. You do, yeah. First time in a year and a half of the award-winning balloon party that I'm gonna have to be on the clock. So as much as I'd like to get your Draymond Green, uh, light the beam, take light the beam. You're you're lighting the beam. Well, I gave out the Warriors yesterday, so that one's tough. I actually saw them jump out to a huge lead. I'm like, oh, I forgot to bet them, and then I saw they lost, and I'm like, oh, Jackson. Yeah, well, they're playing. I feel like you're giving people losing picks in the NBA on this show, and part of me thinks you're sabotaging this audience intentionally. That's just I just want to let you know what I'm thinking. Well, if you thought March was full of madness, wait till you get to April. These NBA playoffs, oh boy, this league. Clip that off. Jackson, the Cardinals lost last night, so we won't be spending any more time on lighting the beam. The team is 7-10. and 10. I was just talking with Randy Carricker as we were uh, heading in and he was heading out and uh, discussing the state of the team, certainly a lot of angst regarding the team. Um, you have some of the clips from last night's 6-3 defeat to the Diamondbacks. I mean, you're facing here over the last week three Rockies, four Pirates, and now... Uh, the first of three against the Diamondbacks before heading out on the road. And then the schedule, I know that the the Diamondbacks and the Pirates are at the moment at the top of the standings. I'd be very surprised if we saw them meet in the NLCS. Um, That the Cardinals are, you know, hey, they started off against some great teams. Blue Jays, I think, are a legitimate championship contender. The Braves certainly are a championship contender. And the Brewers, with their pitching, uh, have gotten off to a quick start, and maybe they're going to do better than people may have anticipated, including myself. I don't know. But I don't think too many people would say, well, yeah, but what about the Rockies, Pirates, and Diamondbacks? And this hasn't really gone too well. And if anything, I think you might say they're lucky they got 2 of 4 against the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on how you would want to give your perspective. But they also had to come back against the Rockies. 
It's 17 games. But, you know, you're approaching your third week of the season, and one of the things that, that's getting a little awkward here is, and I realize people crap on Jack Flaherty because that's what happens here by a portion of the, the fan base for things that have nothing to do with pitching. But the starts haven't really been terrible like this that. time through the rotation, and they're still not winning games. And then, or if they are winning, they're having to have some kind of outlier things take place, such as comebacks or fading extra inning debacles. So I don't know. I, I listen, Contreras is starting to hit. That's a positive. Jordan Walker is showing that maybe the league has figured something out, and he's got to have to plug that hole. But one of the things that you look at, if you look at the Cardinals at the moment, you go, yeah, the lineup isn't performing. And if you carry it over from the tail end of last year, you'd go, yeah, there were some pieces in the lineup that weren't performing, even though the names indicate guys who can rake. So I don't. I don't mind people saying I'm a little concerned or, in some cases, a lot concerned because the issue isn't really just the starting pitching. And even more so, the starting pitching hadn't been bad lately. Flaherty's debacle came in the seventh inning. He was dealing up until then. Jackson, what do you have here I from have the people? Flaherty talking about that, just that inning, the seventh All right, inning. let's hear what he has to say. Still pitched well. I mean, I mean if a guy's going to be me backside in Bush, he's going to be me backside in Bush. you got to tip your cap to that. Um... Like, that's the first hit I gave up in however many innings it was. Uh, I thought I pitched well, made a, you know, made a mistake to Gurrielli at a double and pitched Walker close, but we're working there, sorry. Um, we're working there knowing that, you know, make a mistake there, he can uh, he can leave the yard. Like, that's, that's what he does, he, you know, but so maybe pitch him a little bit tough to kind of get to the next couple guys, and then that was it. There it is, Jack Flaherty following the game. So he felt like he pitched well. I would agree with him. Um, but, you know, what's going on here with the Cardinals, if you look at it, recently it hasn't really been the starting pitching. You haven't had like a dumpster fire series of starts since the start of the season, like the Brave series where they were falling behind or the Blue Jays series where the Blue Jays were putting a bunch of runs. It's the offense now. I suppose the counter to that concern would be these guys are going to hit. It's just on the front end of the season, they're having some issues. And I would agree with that if somebody were to have that as their, their perspective. I suppose what I would say is we're in a whole new world with baseball. Number one, I mean, I was watching that game last night, and I feel like I was blown away that I looked at the clock and it's 7.45, it was in the fifth inning. Crazy. And there was some activity. I know there weren't a bunch of runs, but there was some activity. So that thing, that the movement. But the other thing that's kind of a whole new world for baseball, and Cardinal fans are going to kind of have to get used to, is you're not going to see the Pirates two more times in St. Louis. That isn't happening. That's not the way the schedule is set right, up right. anymore. You're not going to get 15 more shots at what most likely, you would think anyway, is a team where you can get healthy. Um, Rocky, same way, although the Cardinals have certainly had their trouble at Coors Field. Uh, this is a different deal for the Cardinals, who may have been the beneficiaries of playing in a division where usually two teams, well, one of the teams is the Pirates, so there's that, but then there's one or maybe two teams that aren't really competitive. 
Randy Carrick and I, another thing we were talking about, and I gather that he was talking about this on the opening drive since he had the, uh, the piece of paper out and he was showing me the Cardinals record before and after the All-Star break. The last, I don't know how many years it was, might have been the last decade. Um, and it's substantially better after the All-Star break. And I go, what do you think the reason for that is? And I said, or did, I would imagine the way that the schedule set up, they were probably playing a lot of central teams in September in particular because baseball wants to try to create the chance that you have these pennant races, right, right, even right. though winning a division now doesn't have all that much importance to what it used to mean. And so that that's my initial theory. Randy's saying, I just think they're smart. Um, I don't know. That, I suppose, is encouraging. The team that I think most of you listening to this show right now, uh, if you are old enough would say is the best Cardinal team you have seen in your lifetime, assuming you don't put 85 there or you're old enough to recall the 1960s teams, and if you would put one of those teams there. Um, the 2004 Cardinals kind of fumbled their way through the first six weeks of the season. But I got the sense with the Cardinals in 2004 that they were close. I don't get that sense now because there are multiple issues plaguing the team. The one thing that I will hold on to is this, and I'm not trying to give you optimism, I'm just telling you what I truthfully think. I just think if you look up and down the statistics on this team right now from the position players, and you were playing like over under of where they're going to finish, whether it be with their average or you want to go OPS, most of the players maybe with the exception of Gorman, you would expect, now it doesn't mean it'll happen, but you would expect will be finishing over what the numbers currently are. In other words, as opposed to a regression that you may expect from the Pittsburgh Pirates or the team that's in town right now, the Arizona Diamondbacks, you might expect a regression. I know I do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm coming from just history bias on that, and these teams have actually turned a corner. Uh, and if you knew that going in, I hope you bet the over on the Pirates' win total and the Diamondbacks' win total, because I certainly didn't see it coming. I know the Diamondbacks are stealing bases like crazy this year. But offensively, I expect the Cardinals to improve. And if anything, over the last week and change, that's actually been one of the problems. One of the biggest problems has been um, the Cardinal offense, in particular clutch hitting. But overall, the numbers are just kind of pedestrian relative to the career numbers that we can compare and contrast. And obviously, you can't do that with with one of the starters, and that's Jordan Walker. But otherwise, I think everybody else is below where you would think they would be, minus Nolan Gorman. Right. And so, you'd like to think that, therefore, there is some mean in which they will progress to as opposed to regress to. Jackson Burkett, the floor is yours for Cardinal Talk, not lighting the beam. Rats. Um, yeah, I just, when I watch games, right now, like, when I see Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, sometimes Alec Burleson, I'm like, okay, I really think these guys can get a hit. I really think that they're going to drive the ball. Everyone else, and I'm talking about right now, I'm not, I'm obviously Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado have a history, but right now, I feel like those three guys are ever, are in the opportunity, everyone else with runner on base, especially first base, I'm like, oh, they're going to hit into a double play. It's like I feel like it's almost rinse and repeat. 
And I, I don't know. And, the ho- you know, I think once the weather warms up more, you're going to see guys opening up. The ball's going to travel a lot more. It seems to be the case with some of the guys on the team. But, but that, that's fine. But the, the, the Diamondbacks and the Pirates, you know, and yeah. before the Braves and the Blue Jays were playing in the same conditions that the no, Cardinals no doubt. were. No doubt. And you're not wrong on that. But I, 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 I tend to think what you think we're on, on the regression is that I don't think the Pirates and Diamondbacks are going to look like this come mid-June, whereas I also don't think the Cardinals are going to look like this mid-June. I think sometimes they, some teams just take a little bit longer to get into a rhythm, and I hope that to be the case. I'm, an, I'm a natural optimist. I hope that to be the case with the Cardinals, that they'll, just, they'll find their rhythm eventually. But I don't necessarily think it's just going to happen overnight. It's going to happen slowly, and I think one day in June we'll be like, oh, there they are, towards the top of the, top of the division like we thought they Yeah, would. if I had to bet, I would think that that's the case as well with regards to the offense. I'm not sure the pitching is going to be able to allow them to come to the top of the division. The question at this moment, at this moment, the question is, from my standpoint with it, is can the Cardinals get that offense going and then feel like they have a surplus to acquire the pitching that would allow them to be a championship contender. Well, right now, you can't possibly feel like you have surplus with regards to the offense because, if anything, you're experiencing a deficit. I suppose another thing, if you want to give a real big positive over the last five days or so, and then a concern, the big positive, what do you think it would be? Go. Starting pitching? No. Uh, base running? Wilson Contreras. Yeah, for He's sure. gotten it going. Um, on the other side of things... The recent concern would be five days. Starting pitching? No, we're talking specific people. Uh, 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 oh boy, Jackson, Jordan Walker. Yes. Now, do I think Jordan Walker? Oh my God, he's terrible. Right. No, they, they've made an adjustment on him, and now he needs to make his adjustment. This is part of the deal when you're 20 years old and playing your first month of Major League Baseball. Right. Um, Contreras figuring it out and getting it going, not particularly surprising. Uh, Jordan Walker getting figured out, not particularly surprising. Uh, ideally, they would both get it going at the right time. In this case, Walker was trending up this way at the start of the season. Contreras was way down here, and now they have ships in the night crossed over the seas, and one is going in one direction, and one is now going in the other direction. But across the board, from a clutch-hitting standpoint with runners in scoring position, and also from uh, from a standpoint of the overall offense, it's just not where you would think it would be. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Cardinal discussion plus the Little Piddles sports business recap coming your way. Taylor Twelman making his first appearance every Tuesday. He's going to be on with us here. Uh, that's coming your way at 1030. This is Balloon Party driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Taylor Twelman going to join us coming up at 10.30. So uh, I'm monitoring the clock today. I have to because he's calling in. But, Jackson, that doesn't mean we can't start the Little Piddles Sports Business Board Meeting? It's a it's a little newsletter for oh, you. Oh, it's a here. newsletter. It's I thought we were having a board meeting here on 101 ESPN. Well, it's kind of like a board meeting. Everyone's okay. kind of gathered around. Who's the chairman around. of the board? Um, wow, that's a good question. I am. You are the chairman of the board. Well, yeah, it was said with such confidence and yeah. inspired, right? And inspired leadership. It's I. It's I said the said the fly. All right, nice. here we go. Real nice. Reading more and more about the value of cable bundles to RSNs and how Rob Manfred basically said that without that, they expect revenue to go down as a result of moving to more of a hybrid model of streaming and cable. 
With that being said, if revenue does go down, the whole league, including player salaries, could bear the brunt of the downtick. How urgent is the situation to baseball as a whole, and how soon and to what degree could the long-term effects be? Player salaries going down, TV, team TV splits going down, etc. How much will that affect fans' enjoyment? It really does games? affect it. I think it's I think it's a real thing. But here's the thing on it. I think there will be some owners, Steve Cohen, I feel like, has now become the buzz name like George Steinbrenner was in the 90s and 2000s, who I don't know if he really cares. Um, a couple of other teams where you go, boy, are they, the Padres stand out as, when you go, do they even, I mean, is this a profit and loss <laughs> or is this we just want to bring the first world champion to San Diego and, and live forever? Because I think now that with wealth, tracking so aggressively if you have it and just compounds and compounds that you can actually take on it depends on what your mindset is are you risk averse or are you legacy desiring sure and if you're risk averse then these revenues moving down it's a real thing and unfortunately i guess if you're coming from the cardinal perspective uh i think it's pretty obvious what category they would be in so locally I think it's a real thing, and I think this is a complete theory that it impacted what we saw this past offseason. When you're sitting there going, what the hell's the deal with this rotation? I think you can track it back to this story. I really do. I could be off the mark on that. I just can't believe that they thought at the beginning of the season that this was going to be their starting rotation. I just really can't believe that, but perhaps perhaps it was, and then, then that goes into a whole separate baseball discussion because the impact of a bad rotation is that it can light fire to your entire pitching staff beyond the rotation when your bullpen burns out. And we've seen that here over the last few years uh, with the Cardinals not tending to the bullpen quickly enough, but the rotation was the reason why the bullpen was burnt through. So if you have an owner, Jackson, going back to the RSN discussion, who goes, I don't really care. I'm going to sign, I'll have a $400 million payroll, whatever. Okay, so I might lose some money. Doesn't matter. I have billions of dollars. And while... For the average person, they go, oh, my God, they're going to lose $50 million this year? That's like me losing $10. Doesn't matter. So that, I I think, is also a part of the whole new world that isn't necessarily discussed. Because on the surface, what the San Diego Padres are doing, and they're one of the teams that are a Diamond Sports franchise, they're still going absolutely all out. Yeah. And fans may love that in San Diego, and my guess is right now they do. I'd be curious, though, if we had like an approval rating over the next decade, how it'll play out if they continue to do that. Because, listen, the Mets and Padres can't meet in the World Series. No, they cannot. And therefore, somebody is going to come up short. And that also is taking out, take your pick of whoever else would be in the mix from Braves, the National yeah. League, who and the Braves. People Dodgers. talk about Dodgers being just a constant force. So... Not everybody can get there. So how is this thing going to play out, especially if it doesn't work out? But that's the impact that I see. I think it is a real thing, which is why I spend a decent amount of time um, on TMA, on 101, and on my podcast talking about it, because I think you're about to see it have impact to player salaries for some franchises, and then others just go, we don't care. We'll play the luxury tax. Now we might be able to get these guys because there isn't as much competition for them. Yeah, and you're going to see that stark difference in mindset, because I believe the number is 48% of revenue goes to player salaries. If revenue goes down X amount of sure. percentage, then you're that see means the player salaries. But if some teams are kind of just letting that go by the wayside, there's going to be a huge difference in talent on 
on certain teams. Just like, and then, then this will be it because we'll have to we'll have to break for Taylor Twelman, who's going to be with us ten thirty. Um, but just like I think, probably in the the latter portions of the aughts, like the two thousand seven, eight, nine, when the Cardinals had Luno, and the whole thing was firing, and then all of a sudden now you're looking at these prospects that they had and this run that they had, and the Cardinals kind of were the only ones with the formula. Now it's not necessarily a formula so much as it's dollars, and there's only a handful of teams that might be willing to go. Yeah, okay, fine. We're going to lose money, but that's the personality and also the depth of the pockets of the franchise owner. For example, drawing a parallel to it, if I may, Chicago's the third largest market in the country. Now, you'd go, well, then Chicago should be able to build a monster stadium for the Chicago Bears. Right. But the family that owns the Bears does not have the money that Stan Kroenke does. So it has nothing to do with the market size yes one is la market two one is chicago market three but the mccloskey family does not have stan Kroenke's. i believe it's 12 billion dollars at the time anyway and so they're not in a spot where they can go okay fine we're just going to do it here just you know we're going to give us we got the land good we're going to build it leave us alone can't do that that's why it's a different situation there you might be the los angeles angels and you're in la right but if you don't have an owner, and Artie Moreno certainly showed he was willing to with offense, didn't really care much about pitching, you're not willing to spend the money even if you're in L.A. or you can't, then you probably aren't going to be competitive if indeed the television dollars decrease and you know don't have the revenue pool for which to operate and go out and sign players or keep players you develop. This is a monster story. It's just we're in the first inning of it unless you have the belief and the foresight. You might not think that it's necessarily relevant, but I'm telling you this is relevant because the revenue pool is going to decrease, which means the player's salaries are either going to decrease or a handful of owners are going to be willing to pay them, and the free agent pool of teams competing for players will decrease. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Dogs fans, city fans, ravioli boys fans, Hellcats fans. Jackson, we're all pulling for the same team. No matter what we call them, Taylor Twelman joins us for his first appearance here on Balloon Party. It's going to be a weekly thing. It comes your way next on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. Action Jackson on the ones and twos. We are with you until the top of the hour. And it is our pleasure to welcome... Taylor Twelman to the radio program. Taylor, good morning. Good. What's going on, boys? How are you? And we are wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and being a weekly guest on the show here. Uh, fired up to talk it over with you every week. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. And uh, Lord knows we're going to have. The, I'll have something to say. It's just whether or not people want to hear it. But I like that. I like that. Let's go. <laughs> let's go then. Let's do this. First off. The fact that they are in the spot that they are in with six wins in the first eight games. Honestly, if you were to, like, if somebody said, "Hey Taylor, put a uh, hundred bucks on where they're going to be through eight games," could you have ever foreseen this, or did you know that they might have a little something doing with the system they were going to run? 
No, no. If you would have told me Supporter Shield leaders after eight weeks, I would have said you're out of your coconut. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I think they were underestimated. I'm not going to lie to you. I think the last place kind of predictions. You know, there's still a lot to be played here. That was a little harsh. That was a little, I would say, ignorant from the pundits and analysts that looked at it and didn't really understand who Zhao Klaus, Leuven, and what Lutz was trying to do bringing these players over six, seven months beforehand. That is something no other franchise has ever done in MLS, and I think they hit the ground running. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you first place. Uh, 5-1 against FC Cincinnati, who hadn't given up right. a goal in, what was it, four or five games? No, no way. No no chance in hell did I see this coming, and and that's a tip of the cap to Bradley Carnell and the players. It has been something else. I think, and, and I know you were bullish on this before St. Louis was even a, awarded a franchise, that the support was going to be ridiculous, the atmosphere was going to be ridiculous. Um, people were going to be on board, period. But the fact that the team has performed like they've performed has turned this whole market's attention to what is going on with the team. So let's talk about the origins of it and what has gone on and why you were so bullish on the success of an MLS franchise in St. Louis. Because you were for years, and I know you're thrilled to see it actually come to fruition, but why were you so confident it was going to work in St. Louis, Taylor? Last weekend, honestly, uh, I've got goosebumps as you bring this up because last weekend I, I was surprised. Listen, I've been doing this for 14 years, uh, post-playing and covering this league. I've seen many a weather delays. I've never seen 18,000-plus stay for a weather delay over two hours. And so for me to sit here for the last eight years when MLS expansion was at the forefront of all the owners and to toot the horn and blow the horn of St. Louis and what it is, Last weekend, I've never been more proud to say I'm from St. Louis. I've never been more proud to say my family's there. Uh, That city raised me. um, And and to see 18,000-plus people after a tornado warning and two hours of a weather delay, I can't tell you how many people in MLS texted me. I can't tell you how many people in MLS called me saying, Taylor, are you serious with this? And listen, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm like some – Nostradamus. He, he, the, the proof was in the pudding, but nobody from St. Louis and nobody that understands St. Louis expected what we saw last weekend, and I think you hit the nail on the head. If this team doesn't have the kind of start that they had, I don't know if 18,000-plus stick through the weather delay, but they did, and they blew the doors off that building. They blew the roof off that building because FC Cincinnati, after the first goal in the first, what, three or four minutes, yeah. they didn't know how to react because I think a lot of times those players, they've done weather delays before, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to go out. It's going to feel like an exhibition game, and that was everything from that. Yeah, well, that's a good observation on that because that building had that life. They came out guns blazing and really had a couple of other golden opportunities to make it even more of a deficit at the half than they did. What is this system uh, that they are running that is so effective and causing the success for this franchise? Well, first off, you've got to, one, have a system, but two, you've got to have players that believe in the system. So tip of the cap to the players of saying, yes, okay, we, you want us to play this way, We're going to play this way. I'm on the record. I'll always be on the record. I'm not a huge fan of the system. And yet, it is very effective. 
throughout the world over the last five to seven years, it has shown a propensity to maximize your roster that may not be of the highest quality. That's not a shot at this roster. But if you tried to tell Messi or Ronaldo or or the highly skilled player that wants the ball, wants to dominate possession to play this, they would look you in the eye and go, get miss me with this. And so I use that as a reference because Bradley Carnell was well known from Lutz Fahnenstiel and implementing this system, this is what Lutz wants to play. So now you've got to sign players that fit the system. And it is a very pragmatic way of not spending a ton of money on players in, in transfer fees, but yet maximizing what you get. It makes the game very difficult for the opposition because they try to get at you a 1,000 miles an hour. Now, it's not the prettiest at times, and even Bradley Carnell would raise his hand and tell you that, But I think where St. Louis has surprised some people, and this is where Bradley Carnell, I think, may evolve the system, is Leuven's a soccer player. Zhao Klaus is a soccer player. There are some players in this system that are better technically than I think even Bradley Carnell and even Lutz, to a certain extent, expected. So now you've got the ability to make it difficult for the opposition, get them under high pressure, but then when you do have the ball... Can you play a little bit? I think the one question mark is you go back to the Minnesota United game mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. That Minnesota has put the blueprint out there on how you play St. Louis City, and that is sit in, defend, allow St. Louis majority of the possession because they don't really want to do that. I think that's where the evolution of Bradley Carnell in this system has to get there because if other teams come to St. Louis City and play that way, then it could be a little difficult. But so far, there's been only one team to try to do that, and they did it, and and Minnesota left St. Louis with three points. Taylor Twelman, our guest, he'll be with us every Tuesday at 10.30 here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you until the top of the hour. Taylor, I was wondering, you bring up that that game against Minnesota, the one nothing loss in St. Louis, then the loss to Seattle, and I was wondering if that was an execution of the blueprint that Seattle then replicated from Minnesota, and perhaps we were going to see Cincinnati do the same thing, but clearly that's not the way that it went down. So if you would, for those who are now starting to get into soccer and the intricacies and maybe would have been described as a casual fan before City's debut. How would you analyze those three games? One that was a disappointing home loss, one where the doors got blown off in Seattle, and then one when they came back in those conditions and beat the hell out of a team that hadn't been allowing a whole lot of goals. Yeah, it's an interesting way you put it, Tim. So first off, the the Minnesota game at home – Hebert knows this. If he doesn't slide tackle, uh, mm-hmm. uh, then there's no penalty, mm-hmm. right? So you still leave with a point. So it is a little bit of a, you know, rush of blood to the head. You make that challenge. That, But Minnesota came in and said to St. Louis City, we've seen what you want to do. We're going to flip the script on you. You guys be the protagonist. You guys have the ball at your feet. You guys try to take the game. And it was a little difficult at times. Now, in saying that, it's not as if Minnesota had a ton of chances. And so the truth truth be told, if Kyle Hebert doesn't make the challenge, it's a nil-nil game, you you have a point. I think Seattle is a very difficult test on bad turf, and I think Bradley Carnell maybe, maybe overthought it. I think it'd be interesting to hear his perspective because he went there and played five in the back. He played three center backs, 
with two wingbacks. I like the ability of a roster to be versatile tactically, and so I was okay personally looking at it. I thought the first half they made life very difficult for Seattle, but Seattle made a real simple switch, and they forced one of their players in the back to step into the midfield, and and then, Tim, it became too difficult for the players in the midfield to cover ground, and then they blew the doors off. Cincinnati's an interesting team. They didn't have two of their best three players, right? So Brainerd didn't play, and then Lucha Acosta didn't play. Those three, with if you throw in Vasquez, I, I've been on the record, and I'll stay on the record, Cincinnati's in the running for the Supporter Shield. They were before the season started, and the way Pat Noonan has put that team together and made them defensively better, I have them on the forefront. But, and this is a massive but, when you are St. Louis City and you can score a goal in the first 10 to 15 minutes with your style of play, it throws all that form out the window. And the early goal from Stroud was massive because that FC Cincinnati got punched in the face. They couldn't react. The system plays into the hands of St. Louis City. And, Tim, that's the biggest caveat for this team at home. If you can put your foot on the, on the neck of the opposition in the first 15, 20 minutes, nobody's going to be able to handle the 20,000 at City Park and that system. It becomes a real home field advantage, Tim. And that's why, listen, FC Cincinnati will never lose a game the rest of the year 5-1. I can promise you that. And if they do, that means real trouble for them. They're not that team. They're not a team that gives up five goals, and boom, St. Louis City did it. That's going to be the cause for concern for every team coming to St. Louis is saying, hold on here. We need to weather the storm the first 20 minutes. Otherwise, we could have a long night. Yeah, it was something to behold. They were on the attack from the get-go, and I think you're right. Cincinnati was absolutely stunned by it. How much of the success is that building? I, I think for some fans who are now just paying attention to MLS, they don't realize that not everybody has a building like the one that we now have in St. Louis. I mean, some are playing in football stadiums still, and everybody's on top of you, more like a European feel when you come to City Park, and that contributes to this ridiculous atmosphere we have here. Yeah, I mean, Tim, I was asked numerous amount of times, what's the X factor? Who's the best player for St. Louis City in year one? I said the fans. And everyone kind of looked at me saying, wait, what? And I, it, the building is, is spectacular. It's second to none. There are many buildings in this league right now that are similar, but then you've got to add on top of it the intelligence and the uh, ferociousness, for lack of a better yeah. word, of a fan base. And the only thing I would say to the St. Louis City fan listening is there's still another level for you. There is still another level for you because you have a building that will maximize anything you do. Everyone that has played at City Park so far says it's uh, unbelievable. And yet, the Minnesota game was a little flat. And so the point being is that when you watch Austin, you watch LAFC, these are similar type of buildings, Tim. They're, they're obnoxious for 90 minutes. I can't, I can't hear my play-by-play partner next to me when I'm in those buildings. I want to experience that in St. Louis. And I think they're going to get there, especially now knowing you stayed there after a two-hour weather delay. You impacted the game as much as anything Bradley Carnell or the players did. And so as this thing grows and they continue, 
I, I have zero problem if 20,000 in that building want to stand up or if you want to sit down, you're still screaming. But the point being, you've got to be as loud as you can for 90 minutes. It's not Cardinals baseball. It's not a golf, golf tournament. You can do whatever you want to do to make life miserable for the opposition. And I think the St. Louis City fan is starting to understand that, and good luck to everybody else. <laughs> I love that, man. The atmosphere, you're right. It's different. It's, it's more youthful. It's more energetic. People are standing up throughout the course of the game, and it's great to hear that you think that they can go to an even higher level because I've already thought it's been incredible as it is. Yeah, I mean, that roof there, Tim, that's the one thing people don't understand because they haven't been around the league as long as I have. The roof is unbelievable. For the Taylor family to do what they did, along with the Kavanaugh family, to make sure the roof is your ricochet, the the, the noise and everything, if you, it's going to be louder the louder you are. And that is very difficult because in Seattle, you can be as loud as you want. It's a football stadium. It's going to go somewhere. Right. This isn't. And so Austin, LAFC, even Minnesota United, their stadiums are eerily similar with the roofs, and I've been in those buildings where you can't hear yourself breathe. I think St. Louis City could get to that level very quickly. I love hearing it. Taylor, enjoyed the conversation. Can't wait to talk every Tuesday here on the show. Thanks for the time. Looking forward to our conversation next week. No problem, my man. Good hearing your voice. Good to hear you from you. That's Taylor Twelman with us here on 101 ESPN. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with more. Munganass St. Louis Acura's Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Final segment of Balloon Party for the day, Tuesday, April 20, April 18th, 2023. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, with Taylor Twelman with us in the previous segment. Enjoyed the conversation with Taylor Twelman, if you missed it. Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. Everything is there for you every single day from all of the shows here on 101 ESPN. Jackson, I can't get in. I can't get in to the computer. I've been locked out. Mm. But you can. You're reading the Air Comfort Service text line. What do the people have to say? Well, from the 636, you heard them. Bark, doggies, bark. Yeah. Uh, he, wants the, he wants the people to be louder. That's saying something. Yeah, I absolutely. Like. But how about that, that he said it made his uh, he got goosebumps when he thought about 18,000 still being there after so that awesome. delay. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, we got a great segment. That comes from Gabe from the Cube Farm. Gabe from the Cube Farm. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, some people asking about the uh, Roberto Firmino rumors, uh, best fans in soccer. Beefus. Yeah, that's right. Uh, went to the first STL City game last Saturday with my daughter for her 12th birthday. Cannot recommend that experience enough to everyone else in St. Louis. Go to a soccer game tomorrow, LOL. I cannot wait to go. Me too. I cannot wait to go. I'm fired I up. love that atmosphere and i have to tell you i remember it was like 2016 taylor was on tma and he said i'm telling you when st louis gets an mls team it's going to be unlike anything else that st louis has had um and he and he's right as far as an atmosphere goes right it's just different now blues playoff game cardinal playoff game you know certain cardinal games during the regular season and certain blues games during the regular season but that is a it's a different crowd. It's a different level of enthusiasm with most of the people standing. Um, and so for him to say, hey, you can go up to another level, but he can't even hear his play-by-play partner when he's in Austin 
um, that show. And hey, that's that's where they went in and won their first game. Yeah, so that, absolutely. That, that, that tells you a, a whole lot. Uh, BK and Ferrario will be up at the top of the hour if you missed their conversation with Doug Armstrong, who they had on yesterday. That also on the Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that. We are in the midst of the Little Piddle Sports Business Newsletter. Board uh, meeting yeah. newsletter. It's a newsletter well, it's, before, in it, advance of the board meeting. Right. This is you got to brief the people. Who's Logan Roy? Uh, you are. Oh, so you want me to pass on? Uh, no, I'm Roman though. Ah, and you can deduct that from what you if you've seen wow. the show. So cryptic. Yeah, I'll send you a text. All right. Um, Oakland A's fans are planning a reverse boycott during a Tuesday game in June, where they will pack the Coliseum to show everyone that is that this possible move isn't on the fans. As someone, meaning you, who has covered a team leaving quite extensively, do you like this move from the A's faithful? Do you see this purely as an optics move at move, and will lead to no real change in the possibility of the team leaving? Uh, let me take the last one first. Um, yeah, I don't think it will matter on the team leaving, but I get what they're saying from an optics standpoint. That was one of the things that drove me up the wall with the Rams situation when they were here was Fox or CBS would pan the crowd and it'd be empty. And then people around the country go, boy, they don't support the team. Of course they're going to move. And so it became this Rachel Phelps major league uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, the fans don't support the team. Well, if you put a terrible product on the field, as the A's have, and you have an atrocious building, and I mean, I've been in that building for an A's game, but it's been a long time. It was garbage then. That <laughs> right. was 20 years ago. Uh, that's what you're going to get. There's not a doubt in my mind that A's fans would support that team. Not a doubt in my mind. And if anything, the A's would be positioned to take over the East Bay because the Raiders are in Las Vegas and the Warriors have moved over to San Francisco. Right. So the A's can be Oakland's team. Absolutely. And from my standpoint, I love I love the idea of the reverse boycott. I'm anxious to see how many people actually show up. I mean, that's a that's a huge amount of people to mobilize to get to fill, you know, one of those old school dual purpose buildings. That's right. a big big building. Right. So I worry and by worry, I'm probably overstating my level of really paying attention. <laughs> but um, I'm intrigued to see how many people they actually get there because if it winds up being, quote, only 5,000 people, it will look empty on television and the optics that you're talking about will look bad. Terrible. Like, here's your reverse boycott uh, and you filled up a section along the first baseline. I mean, right. not what do does that it. say? Yeah. So that's why I think they're doing it so far advanced. I mean, it's not till June. That's almost two months until we're going to be able to see it. So. Still, but I mean, or, 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 I don't know, there are 35, 40,000 people going to. Yeah. Do, I would. I, I love the idea. Agreed. I'm all for it. Um, and I think in Oakland, they certainly know teams will move because they've seen two do so within right. the last five years. Yeah. And I don't know. I would imagine. I don't know. Do you think the Warriors fans. Th- Oakland is not are not a fan. They're not a fan. It's it's one of these things, you know, you don't understand it unless, and it's not like, I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time. I have spent a decent amount of time there, but I haven't lived there. Like San Diego has no love for Los Angeles. San Francisco has no love for Los Angeles. Los Angeles looks down on San Diego and San Francisco. And then, therefore, my guess is it's always kind of the little brother thing. Right. Then Oakland's the little brother to San Francisco. So then Oakland has no love. 
no, for San Francisco. I was but that re- doesn't mean that Oakland has love for San, uh, for L.A. No, no. And I was reading something uh, when the Warriors started wearing these Oakland jerseys a couple of years ago. Really sweet uniforms. But Oakland, I uh, read this one article from someone saying, like, it was a slap in the face. Like, you move you our town, yeah, right. you move out of our town, and you go to the shinier object of the San Francisco, and then you, like, have the audacity to wear a jersey with all this Oakland history about it. Like, you don't respect Oakland's history. You left. Yeah. So I, I want it to work out in Oakland. Oakland actually is developing, mm-hmm. um, but it, it has a reputation. And this is one of the things that I think, as St. Louisans, the frustration, I don't, I think, I'm certainly a lot of people are like, oh, the, the Rams left. But I, I understand the Rams leaving. I get that. The thing that I never got, and I have no idea what the point of it was, unless it was to say, well, we can't possibly go back. I mean, we've burnt the town down, um, was why you had to, like, kick the dying body on the way out the door. Right. Because I got the business move. I understand it. You can. You have the money to do it. You're one of the only people who can do it. And the NFL is going to do everything they can to take care of you, even put another team in there if you want it which I'm not sure he did. But then what in the hell was the deal with like crapping on yeah, the city the and earth. the fan? It's just like, what was that about? That was, that, that was the, that's, that's the thing. Right. I get, I know. And it's probably an unpopular opinion that I get moving to Los Angeles. If I'm Stan Kroenke, I just don't get kicking St. Louis on the way out the door. Oakland knows the teams will move and they just don't want the narrative to be, we didn't support them. So here we'll show you, we can support them, but this team's moving and they're not doing anything to stay. They're clearly going to move. They're doing everything to frame us as the bad guys here. We're going to show up. So I love the idea of the reverse boycott. All right, we got to wrap it up. BK and Ferrario are coming up next. Thank you to Taylor Twelman, who will be with us every Tuesday here on Balloon Party for Action Jackson. I am Tim McKernan. This has been Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota's Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.